Hello and welcome to the Diversifying and Decolonising the University podcast. I'm Chris Lloyd. This podcast is put together by staff and students at the University of Hertfordshire in the UK and it explores diversifying and decolonising within higher education and looks at those terms in different contexts, subject areas and disciplines. In today's episode, we listen to Dr. Siobhan Bygate talk to Reverend Fiona Suter about faith, religion, the meanings of openness, and diverse student bodies. Siobhan is a lecturer in politics and international relations, and Fiona is the chaplain here at Hertfordshire. Hi everyone, it's uh, lovely to be with you today and um, uh, congratulations on choosing to listen to this podcast because it's a great choice. So first of all, over to Fiona. Fiona, can you just tell us as a starter, um, a little bit more about how you define diversifying and decolonizing in your work? Thank you, Siobhan. Well, to start with, it's quite surprising that I am the first female lead chaplain in 50 years of the chaplaincy at the university. I'm quite proud of that um, because the uh, service is funded by four external Christian churches and only recently, so relatively recently in history, about 1994, the Anglican Church started having women priests. Uh, my predecessor was uh, from the United Reformed Church, and he'd been here 20 years. But the chaplains before, going back 50, 53 years now, I think, in our little history, uh, were all male. So if you look at the chaplaincy, we, we've had a huge leap of diversification in that there is now a woman uh, as lead chaplain. Um, I have a team of volunteers, volunteer chaplains, and they come from all faith backgrounds. And one of the things I have been quite conscious about in my time here, which is six or seven years, is that they're all male. And so last year, I was delighted to be able to appoint another woman as a volunteer chaplain. So I am trying my best to bring in um, a variety of uh, genders and faces and faiths. Clearly, because we're dealing with different faiths, I may only have access to one gender. The faith, as you will understand and, and, and know, is a very difficult sphere in terms of uh, orientation, sexuality. Um, so there aren't often women available, sadly. Um, so I am trying to encourage that. Um, and also I'm, I'm restricted in that there being people available to volunteer. Absolutely. Uh, it's very interesting, actually. And, and congratulations, first of all, on making that big change, because um, I think we've almost become used to seeing um, uh, women reverence now, but actually it was quite a struggle to get there. So it's important not to overlook um, just how revolutionary that is. Um, going back to the Chaplaincy Centre, um, could you tell me a little bit about it, maybe emphasising which is really what you've just touched on, those ideas of diversity, of, of opening up to other faiths, et cetera, et cetera, because we have quite a wide student body, don't we? So the chaplaincy as a service is here for all faiths and none. So anybody can access our services. I'm quite clearly a Christian. Uh, I'm an Anglican priest, but I'm here in service to the university community. And that's all staff, all students, all 
all faiths and no faiths. It does keep me awake at night sometimes because that's a rather big job. It's a very big brief. I am not here to evangelize and proselytize. I am not here to expand the Christian community on campus per se. It could be regarded as part of my job when I do run Christian services and prayer sessions, but the majority of my work is with other faiths and, and quite a lot of people who are either exploring or don't want to profess a faith or want to move away from a faith. So I do deal with um, conversions. That gets me the disapprobation of a lot of my colleagues um, because I can have a Christian come to me and say, I want to become a Muslim. Now, people have told me that goes against my ordination vows. It is my job here to make sure that that transition happens safely and in a wholesome way. So it, it, it can be quite difficult work sometime. But uh, the chaplaincy here is is here to provide spiritual and social and pastoral services. It's a very wide brief. Chaplaincy as a concept comes from uh, Saint Martin of Tours, who was a French Roman soldier. And one day he saw a beggar on the street uh, in the winter with no clothing and he took off his cloak and he took his sword and he slashed the cloak in half and he gave half to the beggar. So the idea is that if I see someone in need or I see a need within our university, then I am to meet that need as best I can. So although I'm here as a Christian, I'm a Christian in service. This very interesting story that you mentioned, um, because I think one aspect of that story, um, as you touched on the sharing of the cloak, so it's not the denying of the need of the per- of the giver, and it's a co-creation of that exchange, and I think that's very interesting that you're identifying that as being at the heart of the chaplaincy um, centre, because in often that is actually the heart of diversifying and the heart of decolonization, because what you're actually doing is. He's saying, I have needs and you have needs and you acknowledge the other, but you also acknowledge your own needs. That gives a parity and then you are as, you are working as, as peers. So that's very interesting. Taking that um, idea a little bit further, and you, you've touched on some of the issues around faith diversity at the chaplaincy and some of the delicate um, workings you might have to do with people changing faith or leaving faith as well as joining faith, which I can imagine is quite complex. Going, thinking about the student body and the students that come from the global south, and this might touch on also um, different interpretations of Christianity from the African churches, from you know the Latin American churches, so not just denominational but also geographic. I wonder if you could reflect on some of your work in that area. The principal thing is to provide a place of welcome. Um, I was an international student back in the day, and that can be an incredibly lonely experience. Uh, I'm a very outgoing person and I found myself pushed to my limits of loneliness and isolation when I studied uh, in France in particular. So my primary goal with the chaplaincy is to make sure that people understand it's a place of welcome. And that's why we've got things like gentle social activities, craft sessions, walks, cafes, a cafe um, aimed at international students, uh, just to get them into to the space. We've got two spaces. We've got a really good facility on College Lane, which is quite large. It has different prayer areas. It has an area I call the living room, which is uh, come in, relax, pick up a nice mug. There's tea and coffee there. And we have a small multi-faith room over on de Havilland campus. And the idea is that 
people should feel welcome and come. And then once I think they've engaged and once they've seen that this is not a, a high pressure religion area or anything like that, then the conversations happen. And I, I think particularly in students from the global south, it's not just faith issues that they might have when they come here. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a mosque. We don't have a mosque in the local area. I've had to signpost this morning to St Albans or say, actually, we've got a students union society and there will be Friday prayer. So a lot of my work is actually with faiths other than Christianity. But I think it's really important just to be a welcoming space to understand that people might be a little lost. You know, you can't ring up your mum and say, how does this washing machine work? Because your mum has never seen that washing machine. So there are many points at which people could start to struggle. And we just want to be welcoming. They can come in. They can enjoy a little bit of hospitality, which is a a very Christian thing um, and indeed comes up in a number of religions. And that way, they might feel more confident about actually embarking on the spiritual conversation. So an example of what I was just talking about was a student who came for a craft session and we had a very pleasant afternoon and uh, these generally involve things like hot chocolate and chocolate biscuits. And a couple of days later, the student came back, knocked on my door and said, I'd like to convert. Um, They wanted to move from one religion to another. And I'm fairly certain that that sort of thing would be very daunting if you just had to knock on the door and say, can you help me? I need to convert. But actually, there was already a relationship there. So I spend a lot of time working on just getting to know people and and trying to be accessible and open. And then I think some of the real guts of the, the faith work can happen. Hmm. Very interesting. Just just uh, going back you, at the very beginning, you said about the, the struggles to, to really um, diversify within the faith, which I think is quite an interesting one, because Obviously, we have students not just from the Global South, but from within the UK that are very, very diverse. And it is important to think about both the gender representation and the different ethnic ethnicities and their representation of what matters to the different faiths. What would you see in the future that, you know, if you were given a magic wand, what would you like to do with the chaplaincy centre or or centres to to improve on that, to to sort of complete that de-diversifying and maybe increase a a decolonised approach? Well, there's a couple of things I can say there. First of all, is more interfaith work. And I have battered on about that since I got here. Unfortunately, um, there seems to be a mentality of coming and joining one's own faith group for probably for security and and staying in that little pocket. So I work with YesU and I do try to um, talk to the faith societies and encourage them to be open to the other societies and maybe join up. I've been, I'm thinking of putting up a prize. I've tried to persuade the SU to have an interfaith prize. If I saw two different faith groups standing on one stall together handing out cakes, I would give them a prize. um, So we're starting at a very low base, I'm afraid. Um, I, I do struggle a bit for resources. So there's just me and there are two, um, uh, sites to run and all the other stuff going on. 33,000 students and two 2,700 staff. I could spend my time working with staff without anything else. um, And that would be good work. So yes, I'd love to see more interfaith work, but I'm limited in what I can do. But I have some ideas. 
The other thing you could say is, why not have a church? Why not have a mosque? Why not have a Gurdwara? Again, we're talking resources and practicalities. What I have to do here is say, we have spaces, they are open to everyone. No one actually has a right to say, this is our faith space. So I'm, I try to make as clear as I possibly can that while that space is, say, set up at some point for Christian prayer or Muslim prayer, it does not belong to that particular faith group. We have to share. And that's the only way I can make it function and make it equitable. One of the things I have to say very often is we are not church, we are not mosque, we are not Gurdwara or anything else because the university is actually a secular place and we are governed by the Equality Act 2010. So that where people might come with ideas that they are allowed to practice in their faith and uh, within British law, exemptions are given in certain circumstances for certain things. For example, Church of England does not marry gay couples, and that is enshrined in canon law, which is a separate law to the law of the land. And lots of people don't understand this. And they say to me, would you marry a gay couple? And I go, I can't. I literally can't. What I feel about it might be something entirely different, but in law, I can't look at two men or two women and say, I'm going to marry them. So uh, I hold a pretty firm line on, uh, we are university, we are governed by the Equality Act 2010, and that is the basis on which our activities can take place. And that's difficult because people have different expectations of that. I, I completely understand you because um, coming from a, a Sufi background and having done interfaith work, we often find churches very, very happy when we're doing an event for the Muslims to pray within the church, which is very kind and open. But there's a certain aspect of, of Islamic practice which says you can be in a church, you can do interfaith people, you need to respect people of all religions, but you can't actually pray in a church. And that's not because of any suggestion that a church isn't a good place, but simply to avoid confusion. So you can, you can talk, you can pray, you can do all of those things, but formal ritualistic prayer cannot take place in a church. So you can see how uh, there can be a misunderstanding between one group who's being open and sharing and another group saying, we can share in this way, but we can't share in that way. And I'm sure that applies in different respects to other faiths as well. So that's very interesting. And it's that idea of being open, but also being respectful of different forms of regulation and law and why those have been in place. And that I think is very much part of, of uh, an integral part of that diversifying and decolonizing process. It's not as simple as it would appear on, on first view. So I think we're coming towards the end of this interview and it's been really interesting all that you have to say and I've been, learned a lot about the university. I wondered, finally, I'd like to ask a final question and then maybe leave you to mention anything you feel we've not covered that you think might be important. My final question is about a generational difference. Have you seen any generational differences between students in terms of diversification and decolonization as they come through um, your your doors, if you like? I've been here since 2017 uh, and I've only been a priest since 2017, so I'm, I'm still sort of quite new to the game. What I have learned by um, interactions with other chaplains and, and going to conferences and things is that we're dealing with a generation that is far more spiritual, maybe not in um, 
specific religious contexts, but the generation itself is very spiritual and, and trying to express that and find that and, and work with that, than the people who are actually running the services and dealing with them. <laughs> Uh, and I have to sort of um, poke poke various departments with a stick and say, actually, we need these facilities. We need to be accommodating this. We need better facilities because our students are coming in expecting to find this. And just because we don't think it's important, it may be important to them. Luckily, I'm, I'm very much heard and we are working hard on trying to improve the services, for example, on de Havilland campus at the moment. And uh, estates are working very hard to look after the key, which has um, been around for about 20 years now and various things are creaking and cracking <laughs> as buildings do. So, yes, you're absolutely right. This, this generation is overall very spiritual. They may not know yet where that might have its expression um, and so it is my job to to try and encourage people to come along and and maybe find something or explore so if a christian comes to me and or someone who's looking at christianity comes to me and says what do i do um, i can signpost them to a prayer session that i run online here or services here i will signpost them to local churches and i'll also say go shopping uh, that there are many different traditions. Go and find the one that suits you. And people are so, so, sometimes a bit sort of, oh, shouldn't I just go to the nearest church? And I go, no, go, go and go and explore a bit more. That's quite important. I think that's very, very interesting, actually, because uh, diversifying is not necessarily the losing of unification or the losing of strength. It's actually the the rerouting of the self in something, in a choice, which is much more positive and proactive because of that diversification of interest and exploration. And that's the wonderful thing that a diversity of students brings to a campus as well, that richness that people can all share, people from different faith backgrounds, different um, national backgrounds, different cultures. Um, it's one of the key parts of, of the education that you get in, in higher education as well. Thank you very much. I don't know if there's anything further you, you want to add that you think we've not covered. I think I think we've there's a, there's a lot of food for thought in there and I'm certainly going to go away and think about some of the things that we've looked at myself. But um, I think openness is important. I would encourage everybody to be open. Um, I was very taken with the Jewish Society uh, a couple of years back because they actually had a Catholic treasurer um, and they were a small society, but my goodness, were they generous and open to other people and put on lovely food events. And I think that's that's what I want to see more of on campus. Um, and again, the Students' Union is very good uh, at trying to bring the groups together and, and allow them to express their faiths. So we have um, had in the past few years a Holi and Purim celebration as a combined um because often faith festivals fall at similar times <laughs> i think one year we had uh, hanukkah christmas and something else all in the one week <laughs> ramadan might be yes I, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and and i think that those are just natural opportunities for people to get together and sort of exchange ideas maybe it's because when students come they're still working out who they are and in order to do or be in interfaith work, I think you have to be very secure in who you are and what your faith is before you can engage with others. So it's maybe it's maybe a time thing or it's maybe an opportunity thing, but we'll we'll see. We'll keep working on it anyway. 
That's very interesting. Thank you very much. And I'm pleased you said you're going to go away with food for thought because I'm certainly going to go away <laughs> with food for thought. And I hope everyone listening to this podcast will, will reflect on some of the things we've said and, and maybe some of the things that we haven't shared that they think might be important. And we'd be very happy to hear from them um, as well and to widen the dialogue. So sorry. I would ask them to get in touch. It's very simple. Mm. They can email chaplain at hearts.ac.uk. And there is also a raft of social media. So that's at UH Chaplain on Facebook, Insta and X. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And I'm going to take this opportunity, Reverend Fiona Suter, to say thank you once more from the Diversifying and Decolonising Group for your time and your reflections. It's been very, very enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure.